The spin is supported by NatWest. Why? Because NatWest loves cricket. The skills it teaches and the communities it creates and want it to be easy for everyone to get involved. To find out about how NatWest is helping make cricket open to all, search NatWest Cricket. I start today's podcast by sending my love and respect and deepest sympathies to our Australian friend and podcast regular Felicity Ward. I know she's feeling this pretty hard right now. This is the first time in her life, in fact it's the first time in anybody's life, that Australia have ever lost a semi-final. She doesn't know how to deal with this. Felicity, I've been here before, many times. You'll get over it. It just might take you 27 years. Understandably, Felicity couldn't make today's show, but I'll tell you who has. Harry Judd. Yes, that Harry from McFly, who's such an accomplished cricketer, he actually got a mention in Wisden for his batting before he swapped his willow for drumsticks. Guardian readers will know Tim Delisle from his regular over-by-over duties, but he's also a pop critic, so we're hoping he's never given McFly a bad review. But enough of this. I want to introduce the show, because the first line of the intro is, England are in the World Cup final! England are in the World Cup final. If you're an England fan, you may be experiencing some unfamiliar emotions right now. Your team just made it through the semis, and they did it without breaking sweat. We'll also talk about the incredible two-day, one-day international between New Zealand and India. Plus, we'll hand out our awards for best commentators of this incredible Cricket World Cup. By the way, England are in the World Cup final. It's the spin! I'm Emma John and this is The Spin, the cricket podcast which, like the England team, isn't afraid to express ourselves and, like the Australia team, isn't afraid to walk around without any shoes on. We've been earthing ourselves all day, so thank you Justin Langer, that worked. Sitting around the boundary of our oval table today, we have Tim Delisle at Long Off, we've got Harry Judd at cover and I am at my usual position in Cow Corner. The photo of Michael Atherton, which reserves his place around the table should he ever want to come in, is now joined by a picture of Shakib al-Hassan, because, quite honestly, we miss him already. We always ask a nice, simple question first to get everybody loosened up. And with Harry here, it's going to be music-related. So, Harry. Yes, hello. Hello. Which cricketer would make the best frontman in a band? Good question. I like it. Um, Joffre Archer. It's got to be someone that's really cool yeah he is so cool so cool just so chilled confident but really likeable as well because the front man of a band has got to be likeable Uh, and then the other two options uh, Hardik Pandya and uh, Jadeja because to me they're kind of the way they play their cricket they just play like rock stars you know (laughs) they do Pandya in particular and Jadeja as we saw the other day against New Zealand just came in swashbuckling they look cool Pandya's also got got some neck tattoos I know yeah he's got some tattoos they just look cool so those are my three candidates so feel free to add to those I mean I definitely I want to say about Joffre I think that's a really good call because he also has that kind of mystique still doesn't he because people don't don't know him as well as maybe the rest of the England team and because I've not heard him talk a lot you no. know he's still got that kind of like 
like, oh, cool dude, Mystique. Yeah, totally. When he was being interviewed today, I was really listening. I was like, I want to get to know your voice. <laughs> like, what's he about? You know, and that's really exciting. So it not is. just him as a cricketer, but as a, as a person, I think he's, he's really cool. Tim Delisle, you are a pop critic, so I feel like you might also have something to contribute on this score. Well, we've got to mention Chris Gale here, haven't we? I mean, the, the man is a rock star. <laughs> Okay, he's the kind of rock star whose his last three albums haven't done well. <laughs> Let's face it, he's living on on past glories, but he's still drawing sixty five thousand in High Park, I think. Yeah, you know, in in British summertime, and his band obviously is called Universe Boss. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, it is. I mean, I was wondering about some of the other England boys. Ben Stokes, he's got that edge, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, Ben Stokes certainly was. Uh, also, Jason Roy, you know, the way he goes about his cricket, the way he goes about his batting, he's got a rock star attitude. He's got a lot of swagger, hasn't a he? A lot of swagger. He's Mr Swagger now. He England. really is. I mean, honestly, you, I was thinking today, surely, all the chats about Bearstone and Roy, and I'm thinking surely at some point he is going to have a, a dud innings. I'm sure, I think one game he didn't score, but I think he's got five fifties out of 60. But he just comes out like a rock star, like yes. a front man. And today, rather like a rock star, he, he threw a tantrum when he was given out. He did. Didn't he? <laughs> he really did. Well, let's talk about this game because, let's face it, we all want to. It's the game that got England to the final. Shall we start with England's batting? It's, it's only just finished. We've been watching it. I mean, Roy, as you say, absolutely fantastic. Bairstow also <laughs> was good um, yeah. until he did waste a review, at which point we all thought, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it was slightly strange. But in the build-up, it's all been about Roy and Bairstow. And obviously, Finch and Warner are very, you know, incredible batting duo, opening partnership. But they've delivered again. And as an English cricket fan, I think even though we skittled them for 2.23, I think it was, yeah. there was always that slight feeling of doubt. Everyone's come in today and gone, at what point did you relax? And I don't think think anyone relaxed at any point but um Bairstow and Roy again were just brilliant as we saw with the Aussies it it was a good wicket but there was something in it for the bowlers and what I was very impressed with with Roy and Bairstow is that they didn't just go out and overly attack yes they made the most of that power play but they were controlled they didn't throw their wicket away um, and expose Root and, and Morgan to uh, to Stark and Baranoff. So it was very pleasing to see the control and, um, again, the dominance. I honestly thought, law of averages, there is absolutely no way they could have another century opening partnership. Well, yes, but law of averages, England had to win because Australia had won the warm-up game and the group game. And for England to lose three to the same opponents on home turf in one-day cricket would be quite odd at the moment. So we were always going to win it. So we were always going to win. So were you... Plus, the Australia never win at Edgbaston these days, do they? They're, they're spooked by it ever since 2005 and the, the two-run defeat, I think. So were you just confident the whole way through, Tim? Well, then? of course not, because I'm an <laughs> English cricket lover. And so I, I, have, I bring to the sofa 47 years of angst and <laughs> hurt and <laughs> seeing us not win World Cups and all that stuff. So... There were mood swings on the sofa. I mean, Steve Smith played very well. He really dug them out the same way that, that the Indians had. You talked about Jadeja being yeah. so good. He, he and Dhoni dug India out of a hole and yeah. ne- nearly made it. And it looked like Smith and Carey. I mean, Carey batted extremely well for a man with blood pouring from his chin. Well, yeah. that was really... Uh, there were quite a few dramatic moments in this game, but possibly none more dramatic than the moment Jofra Archer hit him with a <laughs> bouncer and actually dislodged his helmet. Yeah, literally knocked his helmet 
off and then he caught it. Yes. Otherwise, it probably would have fallen onto his stumps and been a really bizarre dismissal. Amazing reflexes, yeah. wasn't it? And then immediately you could see the blood pouring from his chin. It was all, it literally all happened. It was very exciting. Perhaps it's just instinct. You know, he's a wiki keeper. Yeah. There's something in the air. He has to catch it. <laughs> Imagine he just appealed. Got <laughs> him! <laughs> um, yeah, it was amazing. And then it afforded us the sight of not just the blood on the chin, which feels so visceral in a cricket match, yeah. but also the extraordinary strapping that he then had to wear for <laughs> yeah. the rest of his innings. Yes. I mean, if he'd been a footballer, he wouldn't have been allowed back on the field because there was blood. you could see the blood sort of dripping. Through the bandaging, wasn't Through it? Through the bandage, yeah. couldn't you? It, yeah. it, it was extraordinary. It was Had they won, it was going to make one of the great newspaper photos on the front of the Sydney Morning Herald. That had me the, worried. The, the bloodied like worrier. Sort of Terry Butcher moment, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, football, yeah, it was yes. worrying. That was actually one of the most satisfying dismissals of the day, I think, because he's had such a good World Cup. Kerry and there's been a lot of talk about bringing him up the order at number five which he did and he came in and just looked very controlled very classy I was giving some yeah. real fist pumps when and uh, Adil Rashid had made a rather shaky start and then he got that wicket he did and also and suddenly got another one yeah and also I think Vince deserves a mention not for his maybe what he would have wanted for his batting but his fielding he took a couple of really important catches in the Indian game as well and yes it was a basic catch on the boundary but he took it and it was very important oh absolutely I mean did you see in the in the replay of it I mean his eyes on that ball I've never seen anybody follow a ball so carefully into their hands <laughs> I think it's the most nerve-wracking thing being a fielder I'm a batsman I'd much rather go out open the batting face the first ball than when a catch is coming yeah. to on the back particularly as a substitute fielder in a semi-final so well done, Vince. What other dramatic... I mean, there was also the the Steve Smith run out between his legs was pretty dramatic. <laughs> Astonishing moment. But you know, the, the only moment of the day when Joss Butler was able to show... He's a magic player, as you know, mm. but he, he didn't have a chance to... He didn't even get into bat today. <laughs> wonderful run out. It was a wonderful run out. Um, Joffre Archer, we've mentioned him once for his cool, but we haven't mentioned his bowling. Yeah. Oh, yes, because he really didn't bowl very well in the first game against Australia. That was his one bad day in this Yeah, World we were Cup, bowling a bit it? short, weren't we? He yeah. was too short. He was, mm-hmm. was he none for 68 or something? He looked like the inexperienced guy that he is, but today, senior player, right on the spot. He's got first that wicket, wicket with his it, first ball. Yeah, and he's got that incredible knuckleball as well, where he runs up, and I just assumed he has to get the ball into position before he runs up. So which the would be a giveaway. Yeah, which would be a giveaway. But literally, as he gets to the umpire and he pulls his arm back to bowl it, that's when he changes it and he pushes his fingers behind the ball. And it's this incredibly disguised knuckleball, the one that got Maxwell out. And you saw Maxwell sort of looking completely shocked. So, yeah, that knuckleball is, is something else. And, of course, Chris Wokes as well was... Yeah, he was tremendous. Exceptional. Chris Wokes, player of the match. Yes. Which some people may have disagreed with considering how well the batsman batted, but he really did make the game with well, his Well, he was wickets, three, for, he? three for 20. I mean, I was there getting quite angry at the fact that he wasn't going to get to bowl his overs. And I don't know whether it was that... was an odd decision, that yeah, wasn't Yeah, I... Look, Morgan's been amazing. He's been a brilliant captain. And, you know, he's got us to this point of a World Cup final. He's turned the England team around, obviously, with the help of the coaching staff and all the players. So it's hard to criticise him, but you... I kind of can't help but think that maybe he just overlooked it and suddenly thought, oh, God. Oh <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know because, because, you know, when you had the new batsman in, you're thinking, and all the commentators are saying it, you'd seen in this World Cup when teams haven't gone for the jugular and they've been able to just save the innings by just ticking it over, getting some... And, and as we've seen, it's been very hard to chase. So thankfully today, they brought Archer back on and 
and I was thinking, why are they not bringing Wokes on? You know, let's really go for them here. But thankfully, it didn't. It didn't matter in the yeah. end. An odd thing about England in this World Cup is that nobody's even taken a fourfer, let alone a fivefer. Yeah, that so, is a statistical anomaly. An anemone. Which is a good sign in a way, because it shows that it's been a real team effort by the bowlers. And today, Stokes only bowled about four overs, did okay, but was barely needed. And as you know, wasn't needed, even needed to bat either. So he'll be champing at the bit on Sunday because he loves to be involved. And wasn't it good to see Rashid get involved too? I mean, after the tournament he's had, mm. it's just great to see him back. Yes, exactly. And the yes. type of wickets he got that Googly got Stoinis with was pretty special. Yes. One thing I do kind of want to bring up, and this is the granny and me, this is the Emma from the future. I, I still have a bit of a problem with the amount of gum chewing that is going Finch, on on the field. Finch, Finch. Finch. Did you see in when Archer, they did a, a replay of Archer's appeal and you can see as Archer's appealing in the background, Finch is actually pretty much blowing a bubble <laughs> he does. through his helmet. He blows bubbles. I think he must be chewing bubble gum because it's quite hard to blow bubbles with chewing gum, it especially is. when, you know, you're 20 overs in. <laughs> How is he still blowing bubble? He must well, be bubblegum. And the cameras cut to Ricky Ponting at one point when things weren't going well for Australia. And he was chewing furiously on the balcony, uh, which made me wonder if this is actually part of the job of being Australian captain. And has Ponting been chewing continuously ever since, you know, Gary Pratt running out? Run out. <laughs> 14 years, possibly with the same piece of gum, do you think? Possibly. possibly. Jason Roy has also started his own gum-chewing tradition. Oh, we'll let him he off. does it while he's we'll batting. Let, we'll let Roy off. I'm just so terrified that one of them is going to choke, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it worked for Roy. He scored yes. those three sixes, three consecutive sixes, which is, I think, the yeah. second time he's scored three consecutive sixes yes, in this tournament. Yes, and he scored them off Steve Smith, who had, in the entire tournament, only, made, only scored two sixes himself. So, <laughs> so that was nice. Insult to injury. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, one of them was, according to the uh, lovely graphics, we get 101 metres. Yes, the fourth further six hit in the tournament. Oh, there have been three further <laughs> than been that. been three further, all from West Indians. Really? Um, yeah. Yes, you don't want that. to be on the wrong end of a, of a, of a Dre Russell hit no, or, you or, don't. A, or a Braithwaite. That's you? right. Braithwaite, Braithwaite, I think. Is, yeah, I think he's number one. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm being told Jason Holder might be number Jason one. Jason Holder's number one, sorry. That's cheating. Yes. You're, you're getting in, information in the headphones. But I am. It, we, didn't, we didn't get that. It didn't come in our headphones. <laughs> There's some privilege to be <laughs> What about the umpiring? Um, Erasmus got some big plaudits for his umpiring during the Australia innings. And then we had that Dharmasena decision against Jason Roy, where we could all see, I think we could all see fresh air between mm -hmm. Jason Roy's bat and the ball as it was allegedly gloved behind. We could, yes. I mean, the real culprit there was Bairstow with a bit of Roy for having wasted the review. You know, you've only got one, don't waste it. Do you think that... Bairstow just really didn't want to leave because he was having so much fun. Well, what was bizarre as well is he hurt himself a bit, I think, as well. So you, he might be thinking, well, listen, maybe I just go now because we've got 10 wickets in hand, 9 wickets in hand. And, you know, I don't know. I... I mean, Obviously, can I just point out, Roy was outscoring him two to one. So was. I think maybe there was a bit of well, listen, jealousy. I, I haven't played the stand in a cricket where <laughs> us batsmen get reviews, you know. And I must be honest, that, you know, when you're batting and you're going well and you get out, the first thought is, no, no, no. Yes. And I just want to do that 
tea marks yeah. straight away. So you'd, you'd be like Stuart Broad. You'd be doing it every yeah. time. Even if I was bold, yes. I'd be checking if yeah. it was a no ball. It wasn't surely he's overstepped the mark there. So I can't fully blame him. I'm a huge fan. Also, of perhaps Bairstow, a bit but... of sort of transferred emotion that Bearstow was. He, he looked so upset when he pulled up lame with yeah. that groin injury because you, you could see him having the, the Gascoigne thought from 1990. You know, I'm not going to be in the final. Yeah. Uh, as we know, he's an emotional guy. And talking of reactions, I mean, Roy's reaction to getting out was pretty, uh, mm-hmm. what's the word, strident? Yes. <laughs> I mean, there was, yes, there was a bit of... there's going to be a fine there, probably, Is there going to be a demerit point? Do, do they get... Yes, dished maybe. out at the same time? Yeah, it was a little bit uncomfortable. He was having a bit of a He strut. managed to argue with both umpires on, on his way off, didn't he? He did, Which, yeah. I don't know if that means double punishment of... Oh, gosh. The thing that really got him as well was the umpire didn't trigger him straight away. He kind of looked and they really appealed and he, he sort of tentatively put the finger up. And mm. so maybe that made him even more angry because he was like... You know that wasn't how you just panicked. You panicked. Yes. You know? It was funny. It was it was the one moment to get worried or frustrated about in an England innings where everything was going England's way and and we had this strange situation where it was almost like there was nothing left to worry about except maybe the rain was the only thing we could find to pin our anxiety to. Is this going to mess things up for England? And uh, our producer Jeff was wandering around with a sheet of Duckworth Lewis figures because <laughs> yes. you know he needed some way to. It was to great. The first it. we heard of Duckworth. Lewis was that England were more than double the figure they needed to be at. They needed to be on 74 and they were already on 150, I think. Going back to the very start of the play as well, I just want to say that when we lost the toss, I thought, well, that's it. Because, you know, like... <laughs> you were out at I was that like, point. I literally texted my brother, I was like, well, that's it, we've lost. Because every game, it feels like, well, every game I've watched this World Cup, the chasing side hasn't won. I know there's been a couple of examples, but particularly at the business end of the tournament and so I just thought oh god and even when Carey and Smith were starting to rebuild the innings every run felt so valuable so even when we got those wickets and the dying overs you're thinking well that's not even just a wicket it's a dot ball you know and Um, certainly I think after the experience of the New Zealand India game this week we've all seen one of those small 200 totals overturned so there was a fear there well there has been another cricket match between England and Australia today On our last episode, we mentioned the inaugural Inter-Parliamentarians Cricket World Cup, which has been taking place all week at various locations around London. Members of Parliament from eight of the test-playing nations are slogging it out for the honour of their respective countries. It was rumoured that Sachin Tendulkar would be representing his country, having served as a member of the Indian Parliament from 2012. (laughs) Current Bangladesh captain and MP Mashrafa Murtaza was also mentioned in the press release, as well as World Cup winning captain Imran Khan, now taking on a second career as Prime Minister of Pakistan. There were even reports of Jeremy Corbyn taking part. (laughs) Do either of you want to guess how many of those names I've mentioned actually turned up? I'm not going to go with zero. (laughs) We're both both going with with a duck. Uh, Yes, yes, it was a globe, as Michael Holding would have said. It wasn't all bad news. Um, We did rather wrongly assume on the last podcast that uh, it was going to be all male teams and there are some women playing in the tournament. So uh, congratulations uh, to the Kiwi MP who's come over. Separate teams for women or all mixed mixed teams? All mixed. 
Right now, Australia's parliamentarians are playing a combined English House of Commons and House of Lords team. And James Morris, the English captain playing in the match, is on the phone live from Blackheath Cricket Club. James, how relieved were you when you found out you weren't going to have to face Imran Khan? Well, I'm pretty relieved. But uh, having said that, the Pakistani team that's come over is looking pretty tasty. I played in a six-over practice match against Pakistan earlier in the week and was bowled an 80-mile-an-hour bouncer by one of their opening bowlers. So uh, there's a bit of competitive edge, despite uh, Imran Khan not making it. We were quite excited about him coming, but uh, I think business has detained him back home. I suppose he does have a real job. Yeah, pretty responsible real job, yeah. But uh, at the moment, we've got Afghanistan playing India, and uh, the Afghanistan team is doing pretty well. And they've got some pretty good batsmen, and... uh, Looks as though they could be one of the favourites to win this tournament, actually. Well, that'd be good. We'd like to see an Afghanistan win in a World Cup this summer. Yeah, I think that's right. If India lose this match and we beat Australia, which is our next match, which starts in about an hour, then we could qualify for the semi-final, despite having lost to India and Afghanistan. So there's still all to play for here in the Parliamentary World Cup. I mean, it sounds like you're taking a similar route to the semis as the England team has taken. Yeah, we had quite a good game against India at Chiswick House yesterday. I think we were 16 short at the end. So, yeah, we're quite pleased with the way that we've managed to hold up our end here. Who's been England's secret weapon? That's an interesting question. We've got four or five quite good parliamentarians in the side. I scored a few runs against India. I got a 40 off about 20 balls. Uh, Nigel Adams, MP up in Selby, is a good cricketer and good all-rounder. We've got a few decent players. The health secretary, Matt Hancock, has said he'll play if England make the final. I mean, that's Ah. glory hunting at its finest, isn't it? Well, oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, well, I've got him. He is down on our team sheet if we qualify for the semi-final. I was expecting to see him down here today, but... uh, yeah, he's, he's done on the team sheet to tomorrow, so we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. I think you might have to 12th man that man. Yeah, I think he'd be quite good delivering the drinks, so uh, <laughs> we'll have to see how that goes. Still to come on this episode of The Spin, we'll have one eye on the Lord's final and one finger on Ian Smith's pulse, because like everyone else right now, we're concerned about his heart rate. know that the first official Women's Cricket World Cup was held in 1973, two years before the men's? Or that a whole new bowling technique came into play to get around hoop skirts? Or that the England women's team has won the World Cup twice more than the men's? That's twice! There are lots of things to love and learn about women's cricket. As a part of its push to get everyone playing cricket, NatWest has partnered with The Guardian Labs to tell more stories about the game. Follow them at theguardian.com forward slash natwest dash cricket. This message was paid for by NatWest. This is The Spin from The Guardian, and we would just like to issue a stern rebuke to whoever broke into Trevor Bayliss's car this week and nicked his kit. You forgot he has a second sun hat. Next time, finish the job. (laughs) So it turns out one-day cricket is even more dramatic if you play it over two days. After rain pushed the first semi-final into Wednesday, India looked like shoo-ins to overturn New Zealand's painfully accumulated total of 239. It's even possible that during that period, a number of us sent texts about the Kiwi team that have not aged well and that we since regret. <laughs> By the start of India's fourth over, their entire top three were back in the dressing room for a run apiece. 
Pant and Pandya, rock stars both, both fell in the 30s before Ravi Jadeja teamed up with MS Dhoni to pummel his team back into contention until the most pinpoint perfect of throws from Martin Guptill ran Dhoni out in the penultimate over and effectively sealed New Zealand's place in the final. Do I sound breathless? Good, I was. What did we think of that game? I mean, that was a thriller, wasn't it? It really was, as you say, a two-day, one-dayer, which <laughs> sounds weird, but... Yeah. yeah, I think we were all shocked, you know. We thought, watching New Zealand bat, you know, I thought, oh, here we go again. They're just not having a good time of it. And um, Yeah, they were 10 for one after seven overs. And the heart sank, didn't it? You just thought... It did. Especially with it being Guptill out again. Yes. He's had such a rotten tournament with the yes. bat. And, I mean, he was out for one... Was it one off 14? I mean, it was awful. It was the worst of both worlds where you don't get any runs and you use up some balls. India have been brilliant so far in this World Cup and um, and it was all coming down onto Kane Williamson's shoulders. As always, course. as always, Williamson to the rescue and Ross Taylor who's had an okay tournament but he was there and both of them I think they didn't really have any other option other than to just keep it ticking over, not taking many risks. It was um, a go slow wasn't it? It was you know and they managed to post a total. I was hearing the voice of Bumble at that point, I won't, I won't do the imitation but he always says stay in the game, hang in there and that's what they did. I mean I know Kane Williamson was doing what we've seen him do before but I did think there was a new look on his face I think there was a new level of grit that sort of came out in his face and I, I messaged our uh, over by over colleague Rob Smythe and said don't you think he looks like he's pulling a John McClane in one of the later <laughs> Die Hard movies and, and Rob Smythe came back and said yeah it's um, Die Hard 6 any chance somebody else could do it <laughs> <laughs> do you know actually I saw a friend sent me a link of footage from the under 19 World Cup when India were playing New Zealand and it was Coley bowling to Williamson and Coley got him out and so there was some redemption That was Coley's mistake not to bowl himself <laughs> To bowl himself, yeah Well there was a chance I think during the game wasn't there there was a bowler who was Pandya well, Pandya was, went a bit lame didn't he Yeah but, and it but looked completed like completed his overs because they only really they really only have five bowlers Yeah and Coley's an odd captain. I mean, he's a legend all told, but he, he doesn't seem to me a very good captain. It was very entertaining, I found, watching the Indian balcony during India's innings because there was a lot of... It looked like panic. There was a lot of kind of running around. There was a point where MS Dhoni went to talk to somebody, possibly Ravi Shastri, not sure, but had his bat up in front of his face. He pulled his bat like he's up. he playing the flute. He did look like he was playing jazz flute. <laughs> That's exactly what it looked like. Coley looked strangely calm I thought on the balcony he um, kept appearing like with a laptop in front of him yeah, looking like he was doing his taxes he's, he's, he's always looking at a screen isn't he he doesn't mm. he doesn't actually communicate with the people out in the middle perhaps because Dhoni was in the middle and perhaps Dhoni is still sort of the captain yeah. to an extent I don't yeah know. possibly although it was a slightly strange not strange because without Panja and Jadeja they would have come nowhere near and now I know you need someone to be an anchor and just to stay there but it's, you know, I was actually at the England-India game at Lords last year where India were batting second and Dhoni was in bat and he just kind of knocked it about, wasn't even taking singles, wasn't even trying to win and it was really bizarre. It was like he was just having a net session at Lords. And then he did a similar thing in the England game. That's right. At Edgbaston. Yes. 
And then again, yes. this was obviously the semi-final. Yeah. He had slightly more into Well, it was almost like he'd been in training for that innings because that kind of did need a slightly drop anchor innings. Yeah, from, no, it did. From it somebody did, but he let, he let a couple of balls go outside the off stump with about five overs left. Yeah, I mean, look, it's hard to criticise because <laughs> the stats don't lie. He's, I think it's something like when he's at the crease, India have won 90% of their run chases. So he is the master of it, but... Well, yes, the, I saw a stat conversation going on on Twitter at a very high level, way above the level of anyone who's like me merely edited wisdom once um, <laughs> there's another level that's over wisdom oh, there is. Yeah, this, the, is, this the, sounds like l ron hubbard this, kind this of structure was, this was this was high up in the stratosphere wow and somebody made a point like you've just made harry saying you know if you look at look at Dhoni's stats in run chases they're amazing and then a super stato from crick viz weighed in and said ah but if you look at his batting impact they have this thing, bowling impact, batting impact. Like today, Wokes' bowling impact was immense because he did so much better than expected right. in the conditions, I think. And Dhoni's batting impact in this World Cup was actually not very good. No, it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't. He maybe lost that ability to kind of take control of a situation. Yeah, but I mean, was it in the his second dotage? to last over or the third to last over when he... Hit that kind of helicopter six over point. That was a fantastic shot. Yeah, and I thought, it? oh my god, he's, yes. has he just completely <laughs> does it just judged right. it perfectly? Yes. And he's like, Do you know what? I'm going to hit four sixes now, <laughs> yeah. just because I can. Yeah, they needed thirty-one off twelve, and he got six of them off the first of those yeah. twelve balls. And, and you did think at yeah, that point that he, wow. he had jumped into the driving seat. Well, and in fact, he casually kind of blocked the next one because he was like, "Well, that's not there to hit, so I'll just wait for the next one." <laughs> Let's not forget Rockstar Jadeja. I mean, a Kiwi won Player of the Match, but actually, is that fair? I mean, I know India didn't win, but was, if anybody really deserved it, Jadeja did. Yes. Surely, it's a bit craven to give the Player of the Match always to one of the winning team, isn't it? Because Jadeja bowled really well and he was economical and his fielding throughout the tournament he's often been the best fielder when he hasn't actually been in the starting 11 yes <laughs> he had two catches and effected a rather brilliant run out he did and he and he batted out of his skin and, and much faster than, than everybody else in the match I think yeah charged yeah. down the wicket to Jimmy Neesham the point he came in it was looking completely hopeless for India and everyone else also looked like they were struggling. He just yes. looked class, yeah. you know. He was timing and it, middling it. He was brilliant. He, he even timed that sword celebration perfectly. <laughs> he did, yeah. And he did, and he, when he got his half century, he did the old, you yeah, know, turn did. round to he the did. press box. And I don't the know n- what that gesture is, the kind of, all right then, go on, <laughs> hand Listeners, if, in case you can't see Emma at this moment, she, she's w- sort of wibbling her fingers <laughs> and has, has both arms stuck out. She's signalling a wide. She, she's um, halfway between signalling a wide and, and bringing some... Asking the rain gods to rain. <laughs> they say they can, I think you can make a team of batsmen that have signalled to the commentary box. Famously, obviously, Nasser Hussain. Yeah, he pointed to the three on his back. Yeah, yeah. Jadeja and Bairstow recently. We can't end talking about this game without mentioning Jimmy Neesham's extraordinary catch, surely, off Kartik, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, not a particularly important wicket, I don't think, but wonderful catch. Incredible catch. We'll have Kartik tweeting you if you're not careful. Yesterday, Ian Smith put in one of the most passionate commentaries we have ever heard in cricket, but he's not the only one. Who can forget Ian Bishop calling the closing stages of the West Indies game against New Zealand, or Nasser Hussain's uncontainable disbelief when Ben Stokes took his famous claw catch on the boundary in the opening game of the tournament? Who's been the best commentator at this World Cup? 
Well, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a duel between the aforementioned Mike Allerton, who's... who's I thank you. He's got, he's got <laughs> such a lovely presence at the microphone. Can I, can I tell you a tiny anecdote about Mike Allerton? Please, I mean, I will do. always sit for a, for a Mike Allerton <laughs> Emma anecdote. and I have discovered that we are both 90s cricket, England cricket nerds, well, so please Well, in, in, that, in that era, I um, had dealings with Mike because he was writing for Wisdom Cricket Monthly, which I was editing. His name was mentioned quite often in, in our household. He was also England captain. That, that helped a bit. And my small son, who was beginning to take an interest in cricket, heard me say Mike Atherton so often that he referred to him back to me as your Catherton. <laughs> he thought there was a thing called a Catherton that, that, that was in charge of cricket and that, that was owned by me. Uh, that is brilliant. <laughs> that is lovely. I mean, and we... he sat on the sofa with me today watching the game. Now that he's, now he's a grown man, he, he now I, understands. I thought you said Mike Atherton no, was sitting no, no, with you. No, 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 I was going to say, no. why didn't he you really invite is your me? No, my, no, my son, my son Dan. We sat there listening to our Catherton. <laughs> yes. Not only, obviously, brilliant analyst, but also great wicket-taker. He's still a great wicket-taker for England. I don't know. Well, by the next episode, we will definitely have the final league take of how many wickets each commentator has taken during their stints, but he was leading the table for a long yeah. time. During... Was. Yeah, every time he came on to commentate, England would take oh, a wicket. Oh, I see. I think you mean literally. I was like, he just bowled a few leggies, <laughs> didn't he? Like, it's not bit... like Paul Collingwood. He's not sitting up in the balcony waiting to run on a sub. <laughs> I think it's between Atherton and Kumar Sangakara for me, mm. who's, who's analytical and very fluent, and I think he's a qualified lawyer, isn't he? Love Athers. Um, I love NASA as well, though. I think NASA's great. Oh, he's had a great tournament. Yeah, this has been one brilliant. of his tournaments. For me, it's between NASA and, and Kumar Sangakkara as well, who I, I was going to say, he's just been brilliant. The way he explains things, he's really detailed, articulate. Um, and I actually, I'll give a little anecdote myself. I had a net with Sangakkara and Ooh. Athers. Ooh. Um, yeah, so at the same was, time? At the same time. Was but, this in your capacity as a schoolboy cricketer? No, or, this was or, recently. Or as a, or as a celebrity? Uh, well, yes. As a, a, <laughs> there aren't many of us cricketing celebrity fans. Um, they get all the good gigs, so cricketing <laughs> yeah. celebrity fans. Because there's like me and Daniel Radcliffe. Um, <laughs> Maybe Eric Clapton. <laughs> Eric Clapton, yeah. So... Um, and no, I, I agree though. Sangakkara has been been amazing, but Nasser, I just I just love his enthusiasm, his ability to explain a situation, and also when there's an exciting moment, he gets very animated. That's the thing. Absolutely. I think he's. I think that's what Nasser has added to his game because he's always been very good at analysing and and fantastic at that captain's habit of thinking ten minutes ahead and thinking yeah. who needs to be bowling next from that end and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. But now he gives you a kind of headline. No, no yeah, way. He's brilliant. You cannot do that. And also when you, you know, as a cricket fan watching him as England captain, he kind of came across just really serious. And yeah, he was a little too bloody minded, little, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. And actually he's got a great personality and I, I like the way they all seem to sort of gang up on him. And yeah. it's quite amazing. I, I genuinely think for this final, he could be the Kenneth Walston home. I think he could have the line that gets remembered if and when Yes, if they, if they have the him final. on, from what I've, what I've seen, he seems to be often on early on in the game and then you don't hear so much of him later on. I don't know why. Do you think they're as competitive with their commentary lines as they are oh, at the I crease, think, yeah, trying to get that big line? I bet they're sitting there <laughs> noting them down. Can I make a little case? I've got a couple of people I'd like to make a case for. Please do. One of them, Mel Jones, yes. who I think has had a phenomenal World Cup. And I actually think... The reason I think that is because I think when she commentates, she really shows up some of the guys that she's sitting alongside. And I'm not going to name names. Um, <laughs> Please. <laughs> Ramiz Raja. Um, there, there, but are, there are some real dads in that team. There aren't there. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think 
she just carries on, does her own thing, says incredibly insightful things in a in a very listenable way, and you just think, oh, I wish the dude sitting next to her would just yeah. shut up. And for Isha a as well, she's yes. brilliant. Yes, she really is. She deserves a mention. So Alison Mitchell has a very nice presence as a commentator. I think I feel like Mark Nicholas is has been so good and thoughtful at explaining the rules of the game while he's been on air because it, it's a very and I I think it's a very Channel Four thing that he's done. You know, he's He's not assuming that everybody who has Sky already knows the game and has then therefore paid the money for it. And you, he's he, talking the, to that wider audience that the game doesn't have. Doesn't have exactly, <laughs> but he won't stop. And I love that. It's and so I, true. I, 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 but I may have on stop Sunday. Stop patronising me, Nicholas. Yes. I know exactly. You know. <laughs> no, yes, I, but on, no, but you're on right. Sunday, oh. it's going to be on Channel Four now, isn't it? Oh, that's yeah. great. That's so great. I think the fact that you know when he's explaining what one short is and he's saying yes, that, that the that, that, that was very mansplainy that bit, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is so intricate. I mean, once you delve into things, you're just trying to explain to someone who doesn't know anything about cricket what one run short means, you're you're going to struggle because there's so many other questions come with that. You know, that's well, when what, you need the person sitting next to you to explain them all. To be Mark Nicholas. Yeah. Maybe he should just be dotted around the country. He should just drive <laughs> around. send yeah. him into every home. <laughs> this is the ECB's new way to get people yes. into cricket. Forget the 100. Send Mark Nicholas into every home. <laughs> <laughs> so, on Sunday, can't believe I'm saying this, New Zealand will play England in the World Cup final. Firstly... Where will you each be watching it? Tim, where will you be? I will be representing The Guardian on my sofa. I'll be doing the over-by-over with with Rob Smythe. Uh, At least I'm down to do it. But today, you may have seen, there was an over-by-over, as you know, is in the hands of its readers, really. And there was a kind of popular uprising in which people were writing it, was flinging in emails demanding that Marina Hyde be given a go at the (laughs) over-by-over, who, as you know, is the scathingly witty columnist who covers, um, I'm doing a Mark Nicholas mansplain here, but (laughs) but she's extremely funny about politics and sport Yes, and could do the over by over in her sleep, I would have thought. possibly has bigger fish to fry with Brexit and Boris Johnson. I don't know what you're implying about the OBO for the World (laughs) Cup final there, Emma. Oh, I do apologise. Yes, I'm kind of hoping that that's how she'll see it and and, and also that the sports desk person who who hands out the shifts will have been too busy today to read the over by over and see this idea being floated by the readers. I love the idea that the readers are demanding Marina Hyde. We've got to give the people what they want. I mean, clearly, sorry, Marina, whatever you were planning for Sunday, I mean, she will be watching the World Cup final because she's a massive cricket fan, but um, she'll probably also have the Men's Wimbledon final and the British Grand Prix on at the same time. Yes, let's send her to Wimbledon. Okay, Uh, Harry, where will you be? I will be at Lords. Oh, uh, yes, you will. <laughs> Look at that cricket celebrity. Did you already have tickets? I did already have tickets, yes. Which you, which you had bought in the proper way on the uh, ICC website, which takes a very long time. You're exposing me live on this the podcast. This is proper journalism happening now, in listen, our studio. I am here trying to grow the game, guys. <laughs> So at Lords, I will be utilising my social media following to try and encourage my followers who do not care in the slightest about cricket to get excited about the game. And um, that is my duty. Thank you. Will you be sitting next to Chris Hughes from Love Island? (laughs) Do you know, I've played a bit of cricket with Chris. He's a decent bowler and a lovely guy. So, no, I'm very, very fortunate. And, you know, if I'm ever going to exploit my position... You uh, haven't quite answered the question of how you came by the tickets. Can, I'll be a good I, can I press you very gently? Listen, what I am here to do is to 
grow the game. And... We found our new prime minister, people. <laughs> Look, I, yeah, I'm very fortunate to be there um, on Sunday, and uh, yeah. And even more fortunate, obviously, that England will be there too. And for those of us uh, who might not be there, uh, we are also fortunate because the game will be being shown on free-to-air telly. Yeah, and where where will you be, Emma? Well, I am supposed to be in Liverpool covering the Netball World Cup. So there is a chance that somebody will fly me back in a helicopter... Uh, if anybody has a helicopter to hand <laughs> and can get me down to London. What time grateful. does it finish, the netball? Actually, the England Not game... Not that we're trying to rush the netball through, because we England should be promoting that The England game is early too. in the morning. I think it's an 11am start, so I think it'll be over by 12. I would be able to get down for the second innings if somebody has a helicopter. The train won't get me there. The train Private, oh. private jet might. Oh, it's a Sunday too, isn't it? You need to be there so you know the content for the podcast. I agree. Yes. I would like that to go out on air. Harry Judd <laughs> says Emma John needs to be at Lords. Emma, I would offer you my ticket, but what's your following like on social media? Are you going to be spreading the game? Growing fast. Uh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my sister might listen and she doesn't like cricket at the moment. So You, know, you I still could... haven't persuaded your sister? I still no, haven't. The offer's off. If you can't persuade your sister, then... I know. I'm not a social influencer. <laughs> I'm not really either, but I just love cricket. So Next time we're all together, the World Cup will be over. But don't worry, we're going to be here all summer. Whether it's the inaugural Ireland versus England test match, the men's or the women's ashes, the 2020 blast or the end of the county championship, we'll have you covered. And don't forget that if there's something you'd like us to discuss on the show, you can get in touch with us anytime. Tweet me at M underscore John and help my social media following so that Harry Judd will let me go to Lords, or email us at thespin at theguardian.com. It is, unfortunately, time to say goodbye to my guests, Tim and Harry. Harry. Yes. We have some World Cup percussion instruments we have gleaned from the grounds. So we feel like if you would look behind you, you can uh, choose from the MRF blown-up bangers, which people will recognise uh, from Bangladesh games especially, also some inflatable Royal Stag clappers, uh, and we've got some Coca-Cola corrugated fans. Woo! Good luck to New Zealand and especially to England in the 48th and final game of this brilliant World Cup. Goodbye. The Spin is supported by NatWest. To find out about how NatWest is making it easier for everyone to get involved in cricket, search NatWest Cricket.